0: After talking with new parents stressed by all the changes and the absence of their favorite stress reliever, sex, T talks with two women about life and sex with their partners after birth. You're listening to TNA Talk Sex. I'm T. Well, hello! Welcome to episode one hundred and thirty-five. Because sex isn't ever just about sex; it's so complicated out there, and we're here to unpack all the mysteries. Um, so uh, today, we're talking with Heather Brooker from the podcast *Motherhood in Hollywood*. Hello, welcome! Thank you. Yeah, and uh, and we also have Sherry Winston, who um, is a mother, also both Heather and her <laughs> mothers, um, and she's also the founder of the Intimate Arts Center. Um, was a certified nurse and midwife, or nurse midwife, I don't, I'm, anyway, she'll tell us more about that, Uh, gynecological practitioner, doula, childbirth educator, and now works as a holistic sexuality teacher, so that's a lot, Uh, but, um, and also Sherry joined us on a a show a while ago about women's arousal as well, which, uh, you know, we all like that, so. (laughs) Um. Where do I start? Well, first off, I'll say our co-host, we've mentioned A, the caboose of this team, TNA, <laughs> is in Europe, and um, and she has been chiming in with little updates
1: on what's going on in her life, so we're going to uh, have her chime in here. Hey, guys, A here, updating you from the road. Uh, so the last time I left you, I told you that there was some some tension in the apartment, sexual tension, that is, from um, me and my couch tripping host, my lovely host um well that has developed and um the tension has been released (laughs) and i have now relocated my sleeping quarters to the bedroom um but i do want to say that uh this it's uh, look i'm having so much fun and not even just fun it's like i think it's magic i really think it's magic whatever's happening it's pretty fucking amazing i have to say and um I don't... I don't know. I mean, I'm not... Like, this trip... I I wasn't thinking about this trip as being, like, a hookup trip, and I'm certainly not thinking of this foray as a hookup foray, um... So I don't, I'm i blushing, and I'm smiling ear to ear, and and I'm really enjoying spending my time here. I was supposed to leave, and I didn't. I'm still here, and we're, I, you know, making plans for the week, and I, I don't know. I still am going to go off and travel. I do want to make my way to Greece. I want to go to Austria and do this train trip, uh, this scenic train route. So I am going to go uh, continue my adventures, but I think I'm going to come back um, and and. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I want to take him home with me. Can I take him home with me? I'm trying to figure out how I can do that. Um anyway, so that's pretty much what's going on right now. Um amazing lovemaking. I should do a show. We should do a show about French lovers because there is something consistent that is present in them that I, I don't get with uh, with Italian, uh, sorry, um American men. So we can talk about that. Uh, next time but you guys uh, thanks for being there I miss you and I can't wait to get back in the flow of the show um, if you want to keep up with my adventures and know what's going on you can um, head to my social media uh, you, you can find me on Instagram most likely at the real Stephanie Allen, or you can head to my website stephanieallen.com and connect with me there also don't forget to check out my massage video series on how to master the art of The Sensual Massage, uh, where I condense all of my seven years of experience in sensual bodywork and mastering sensuality and arousal and seduction. And I put it all into one fun and funny little package directed by Shady Shackleford from Sketch She, YouTube sensation, sketchy comedy. Uh, So it's very fun and fresh, unlike any other cheesy how-to video out there on the web. And it's for guys and girls. So you guys are, I, I know you're going to get a lot from it. And I'm excited to have you guys check it out. So you can see that at stephanieallencom slash massage. All right, that's it. Until next time, guys, have a great show.
0: Well, that was Stephanie. Always a delight to hear from her. And uh, okay, so we're back to our main topic, which is essentially this issue of sex after pregnancy and, and having babies. And birth. Yes. Yeah, I was. I don't know why I avoid sex after birth. That's what I was getting at.
2: (laughs) Maybe because saying after birth just sounds a little weird. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I think it well, you know, I'm, I'm really intimidated by the whole thing. And obviously, as a, uh, yeah, um, hosting this episode, I'm so honored to have you two on it, because you are already you're on the other side and <laughs> undoubtedly have this wealth <laughs> of knowledge and experience that um that as someone who hasn't crossed that bridge you know I'm excited to peer in and, and understand about Do you want it
2: to? Do you want to have kids one day? Oh, oh guys, uh, <laughs> I'm literally putting you. I put you in the hot seat. Sorry, I know. it's just
0: habit. No, I appreciate it. I well,
2: and there's, there's no wrong answer.
0: Thank you. We we have done multiple shows where we talked about our fear of it. We even had one about the birth, um, people giving birth or having. Wanting to have children declining in America And then we were like why is that And we <laughs> kind of unpacked all these reasons why As young women we're afraid of it sure. um, And I'm not sure If it's my own family's kind of Divorce background I mean it was rather complicated Family dynamic But um, I've had to work through a lot of Trust issues and and my ability To open up And um, and I And the more I do this show frankly The more open I become to Having a full human life Experience so to miss out on it, you know, I, I am weighing more and more if that's the right choice for me. Yeah. And it's and like you said, there's no wrong answer, mm-hmm. but it, it is, um, you know, I think you kind of go, OK, well, maybe with the right partner mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, I, I think some women, of course, I've met who, who know that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys were, do you feel like that was you? Did you know you were going to have children?
2: Well, for me, I was, my husband and I were married for about 10 years before we decided to have kids. And when we got married initially, it was not for us. We were like, no, I don't think we will. We love, you know, being really selfish. <laughs> we love going out and drinking and partying and um, having a sense of independence and enjoying our lives. And then something changed like around when I, about when I hit like 30, you know, my early 30s. And I had sort of this moment, like you mentioned, where I didn't want to miss out on something in life that seems so precious. And, you know, I I started opening up to it a lot more and realized when I did some deep soul searching, like I wanted to be a mom. And I really, I didn't want to look back when I was 50, 60 years old and think, why didn't I at least try, you know, to expand my family in that way? And I'm so glad we did. It has literally changed my life. It's changed my focus my goals my career hmm. um and it well, has been a, a truly positive experience for me
3: sherry how about you well well, the first thing i want to say is i just emphasizing again that there's no right answer it's really about figuring out what's right for you because i know people who are very very happily childless mm-hmm. um yeah. for me i did want to have kids i knew i wanted to have kids um I was with a partner, um, a much beloved partner, and um, and he also wanted children, and uh, and I had my son when I was thirty. So I felt like I had sowed my wild oats in my teens and twenties. <laughs> I had got my education, or a good part of my education, um, and I felt really ready at that point. And it was a very conscious, chosen. Thing to do to get pregnant um we do only have one and that was also a choice we made and that was another choice point like are we going to have another kid we considered having another one biologically we considered adopting um a kid and we ultimately because i was a midwife at that point i really um decided in terms of my career and my work um one child was a uh, was already challenging enough you know with being on call and the crazy hours of work to Um, and that really worked out well for us. But again, sometimes one
2: is harder too, don't you think a little harder than,
3: (laughs) I mean, one is way easier. (laughs) Really?
2: Oh my gosh. My daughter is three right now and she wants my attention constantly. She constantly Uh wants to play and, um, you know, it's exhausting. There are days when I'm literally like, "Oh, just go play by yourself," <laughs> you know. So that part for me has been has been yeah. hard.
0: So just um, in terms of you know, this weekend I was dog sitting, and uh, <laughs> totally the same. <laughs> well, it was just young, like puppy pug, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. was exactly like totally wanted my attention constantly. And then it's like you feel guilty if you're not. And he's whimpering. You're like, "Oh my god." Yeah. Uh, I you know something that came up for me, um, just in the kind of I would say this last year, to be honest, I'm having this evolution of more selflessness. And I don't know if that's, you know, maybe it's just the culture we're in. Like perhaps I would have been more selfless sooner, but I I can't help but think that there is something tied to a woman being more ready than not. I think so. um, When you start feeling that.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there was definitely for me a, a, a point where I realized I wanted more. I wanted to give back to the world in some way. And it sounds really arrogant to be like, and now I give you my, my child world. You're welcome. (laughs) And that's not how I mean it, but it's sort of like I wanted, yeah. I mean, to kind of put it that way, I just wanted to, there had to be a bigger purpose, a a larger purpose for my life rather than just going to auditions and hoping somebody gives me a one line part on the Mindy project or, you know, like there had to be something bigger. Um, I, I definitely think that's a, a, An interesting point, though, is realizing your selflessness kind of a moment.
0: Yeah, like I'm done. Oh, go ahead.
3: I just say a lot of people wind up pregnant and not planning it. And that's a very different dynamic when you're deciding, well, you know, all right, I'll go ahead and have a kid um, because I'm pregnant or because uh, my partner's pregnant. And It's a very different dynamic. But you have to remember, a lot of people have not um, chosen necessarily to get pregnant. But it is really different when you're at the point in your life where you're like, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Um, Either I'm ready to do this by myself or I have a partner uh, or partners for that matter who are ready to do it with me. Um, And then choosing to do it. So, I, I, you know, and we're very blessed. Yeah, I just want to. We are so lucky to live in a time and place where we have good contraception and we get to make that choice because throughout most of history, women didn't have that choice, right? They didn't have the choice to have contraception or abortion if they needed it and they were choosing not to continue our pregnancy so i'm just we're so blessed to have that and then what happens when we have all these choices is in a lot of ways it gets more confusing for us because uh we really have to sort of do we really want this and think of all the all the implications of having a child most of which we can't even begin to contemplate until they're actually
2: here. They're actually here. Yeah, I was gonna say you brought up a great point in that some people choose, they say, Okay, now I'm ready. But then you don't really know if you're ready until they're here. And then you're like, Oh, my God, I was not ready. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Which I think excellently brings us to our topic, um, which is, you know, post pregnancy. I mean, I feel like as someone that doesn't know that much, you know, as a I guess a layman, right as a, a woman who's just you know, you hear tidbits here and there or a friend gets pregnant. So I hear her story a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, are are you in my mind, it's it's like this. I don't know, I, I'm amazed that women rebound as quickly as they can. Like in my mind, I'm like, Oh, you're knocked out for six weeks and non functional. And you know, I can't, I don't know, what am I talking about here? Your hormones <laughs> nosedive. Like, what what happens after? I mean, are you you know, and And to me, the sex thing is almost a little silly. In some ways, I go, well, yeah, you're not going to, it's probably not going to happen for a year. You're, you're breastfeeding.
3: (laughs) You know, go elsewhere. I don't know. It's so funny. No, go ahead. Think of it, you know, think of it this way. I do like to, to try and warn um, couples in particular, because if you're a single woman having a baby and you don't have a partner who's expecting to have sex with you, it's a very different dynamic. But when you are partnered, it's really normal for women to not be interested in sex uh, for a considerable amount of time after the baby's born. So I'm going to say 75 to 80%, maybe 90% of women literally have no sex drive after the baby is born. I call that Mother Nature's birth control. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's like, you've got a baby, don't make another one. You know, yeah. very clear about that. Um, and, and then so you hear for about bottle- the
2: Irish twins from the people who um, did have a little bit of a sex drive and then they end up having two babies well, in two years. My mother. <laughs>
3: and, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's when well, that there's is, a little bit there. That's going to be that's going to be much more common in a bottle feeding culture mm. because breastfeeding, if you're breastfeeding and mm. doing natural breastfeeding, which means no bottles, no pacifiers, only only mommy and baby whenever baby wants. And that's what women in traditional cultures did. That's what our all our ancestors did until bottle feeding was invented. Um, and when you breastfeed like that, most women don't start getting their cycle back until anywhere between six months and two years. Ta-da. Right, and again, that's, that's <laughs> is it, Mother that Nature's is, plan. That is a
2: lovely be- a side benefit, I will say, uh, it, post baby. It it is. Your body goes, um, goes you through do, a little bit of hell, but it is nice to not yeah. have a period for a year or so. <laughs> I will say that.
3: But, but, of course, you also have to – you don't know when your fertility is coming back. So it's a little tricky to – count. you can't count on that for birth control. But so, what happened when bottle feeding was introduced is women would get their fertility back right away. And whether they were having sex because they actually wanted to or they were having sex out of obligation and feeling like they should – um, that's where you get the uh, the uh, uh, siblings that are a year apart. In nature, in a, a natural hunter-gatherer culture, you would almost never, ever see that happen. That would be extremely rare. Hmm. Can I? <laughs> the na- the, you know, the natural child spacing is about three years apart. And in traditional cultures, again, um, all of our ancestors, for 99.9% of the time we've been human... Um, breastfeeding was the only way to feed your baby. Right. So there Mm -hmm. wasn't any other choice. And uh, that meant usually your kids were at least three years apart. Okay. So
0: can I ask you guys about your like your personal experiences with it and and, because I feel like again you so like you said Sherry you tell a couple hey know that your sex drive is going to tank but then when you start looking at the calendar and you're actually living it you know what is what is that journey like well how yeah tell me about your experiences
2: I would say after you give birth physically it's very difficult for a few weeks. I mean, I think that varies. Every woman's childbirth sp- experience is different, so this is sort of a blanket statement um for everybody. So I apologize, no one get offended if I say something that's not your story. Your story is important. Um but I for me I had a C-section. Oh, wow. And I physically could not move or walk for a few like a week or at least to a few weeks after sex was nowhere near Uh, on the table or my mind and you know
0: yeah well you had a surgery right you have basically
2: it's a it's a major surgery and I think it's similar with vaginal births in that you have to give your body some time to heal Um, doctors say I think it's you know anywhere from six to eight weeks that they say to let your body rest before you try to have sex again Um, you know some women like um, Sherry said out of obligation will do it sooner whether or not their bodies are ready or they're ready Um, but I know I waited quite some time, several months because I physically just couldn't do it. And I was also not interested. I mean, I had a crying, you know, screaming person in my life and our whole schedule was disrupted. We were tired, um, exhausted, exhausted. Exhausted. Yeah. And you just, (laughs) you know, the thought of even trying to be a little bit sexy was, um, was not on the table, but I will say that doesn't mean that there still wasn't like deep affection and, you know, lots of hugging and touching and like cuddling. I mean, my husband is a great cuddler. He's <laughs> made me a cuddler cause I'm so not, but there was a lot of that. Um, that's when you truly find out where, you know, what your partner is like and how they're going to be. And, you know, I, he was wonderful. He was wonderful. So, but as far as like having sex, I, we waited quite a while.
3: So and I'm, I'm going to give you my answer, my personal answer, but I want to come back to what you ended with, with the cuddling and the physical affection. Um, so we're, I want to come back to that. But so for me, I was utterly uninterested in sex. And, <laughs> and previously, I'd been very interested during my pregnancy. I was like, couldn't get enough. <laughs> and then the baby was born. Now, remember, I'd been in the field already for 10 years at that point. And so I knew about this kind of lack of interest, but I was still shocked that that, that, was happening to me. It was, it was sort of like, who, who am I? How could this happen? Where, where did it go? Where did it go? Yeah. (laughs) Where did it go? And yeah, you know, we waited, you you should usually, you know, six to eight weeks is a reasonable time to wait in terms of the body healing from a vaginal or C-section birth. But um, either way, you know, I remember I guess it maybe like eight weeks we like tried it. Um, your vagina is like a desert. Like it's, it's so just dry. Oh so my dry. God. Yeah, it's so dry. So dry. So what we used lube, but I remember being like like, ooh, ooh, I can't believe <sighs> yeah. I can't believe I used to like this. It was it was unpleasant. I mean, you know, I, I don't think we continue very long because um <laughs> No, but it was just it was shocking. And that's
2: because because of all of the hormone changes in your body, right?
3: Yes, it's totally it's so hormonal. And then what I started to really realize was what happens because of your hormones and energy and, you know, all the biology in there. It's like Mother Nature has you designed to fall madly in love with your baby. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, Oh, oh, my gosh. This is the most beautiful baby ever. <laughs> even even <clears throat> When I look back at my son's newborn pictures, he looked like a little monkey. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was truly the most gorgeous baby ever. And you just want to, like, kiss them and smell them and hold them and touch them and nurse them. And you're just you're madly in love, like the best falling in love ever. It's,
2: it's a pretty magical feeling. And I honestly never thought that that I could feel that kind of love. And I know it sounds cliche and cheesy and, 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 but it's it's just so true. And you hold this little person and you're like, Oh my God, it's an extension of yourself. And, but yet they're their Uh own unique, you know, person. And yeah, you definitely fall
3: madly in love with your, with your baby.
0: Can I ask you about, but then, well, let me just,
3: just, Mm -hmm. I just remember looking at my husband lying next to me and suddenly he was like this big, hairy, smelly behemoth. (laughs) Like, like, what am I doing with this 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 giant um uh, person? Um, I just had no interest. I still loved him dearly, but I didn't like the in inloveness and the wanting to like smell him or kiss him. All that had gotten like redirected, mm. and that was like turned off. And that was really shocking. This is why I wanted to so go back to what you were uh, talking about. Um, earlier um, and luckily my husband and I had such a good relationship and we were very totally and physical that we were able to still connect Yeah. Um, at the same time my poor husband he wanted to have sex you know? <laughs> right and, and I really didn't want to and we had to really re- kind of renegotiate that because it wasn't until a year later which was when my period came back because I was doing natural breastfeeding, um, that my libido started to come back. Um, and for that year, and this is what I really recommend is we had what I started, I, what I called unilateral sex, which was, um, not intercourse, but Mm -hmm. my husband could pleasure himself and I would help him with maybe my hands or if I was feeling really generous, my mouth, um, but I wasn't in- interested in having intercourse, but I could hold him and whisper to him and um, and let him know that, you know, it was totally okay that he still had the sex drive. And that was so key. And then when our sex, the energy started coming back, it was better than ever. Mm. But partly mm. it was because I made it really comfortable and safe. Like, he didn't have to, like, sneak off to the shower to masturbate, right? He he could do it in bed and I could be there going, you know, I'm, you know, it's true that I'm not into it, but I love that you're still into it. And I'll be back with you one of these days. <laughs> And wow. it was so good for our relationship to have that. So I like to throw that out as an idea that just because one partner wants to have sex and the other doesn't, doesn't mean you can't still have a connection and support the, the partner who wants to be sexual. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the, um,
0: in those moments, like you wanted to do that for him because you love him and have affection for him or, you know, like, yeah. were you able to, yes. okay, right. Like, so that yeah. there was a pleasure yeah. in seeing him yeah. have pleasure. You
2: want to see them yeah. happy and, and it, you know, men are very sexual creatures, you know, so you, you want them to be happy and not feel like they're missing okay. out on anything either. So yeah,
0: I totally get yeah. that. Yeah.
3: Okay. I, yeah. And, I want to, and also mm-hmm. we were really clear that it didn't mean I had to do anything. I didn't feel like do it.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. I guess Like that's if what I was, I was doing yeah. it
3: feeling like he was just waiting for me <clears throat> to get ready to have um, more interactive sets or to have intercourse, it wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. It was only because we had the communication where we could be clear that um, I'm supporting you in getting off. I'm not interested, but I'm, I'm here still loving you and supporting you. Um, and that's what made it work.
0: Okay, I have like a a mildly controversial question that I think my co host and I this would come up and I and I do think it's our not having walked the road naivete, but we've had moments where we where it's come up and we go, Well shoot, if if he wants if he not wants but needs sexual pleasure and this sort of thing and um my co host, you know, talks about her work in sensual massage in the past and she frankly had a lot of male clients who were in married relationships mm-hmm. and they were not Emotionally or sexually satisfied, um, do, you know, is there room for that? And I and I get that these are personal responses. You know how you guys feel about it, but maybe it's not necessary if you've got that open c- kind of what communication do you mean, to see
2: somebody outside of the relationship. Sorry, yes. To help? <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I
0: didn't. I didn't say that. Yes. Yeah. What I'm getting at is, you know, is there room to say, hey, why don't you get a sensual massage or see, you know, Go see, see someone it. that a sex worker? Yeah. essentially, or, or some sort of sex therapist that provides that outlet. I don't know how, you know, what does that make you guys think of?
2: Well, I mean, I think it's, as long as there's a good healthy conversation about it, mm. you know, It, yeah. it it's also has to be, uh, everything has to be really open, you know? And, um, I think both parties have to be comfortable with it. That wasn't something we wanted to do or, or everyone, um, came up in our, in our relationship, but, um, I think each couple just has to take it. It's hard. To, it's hard to say because I don't want to like put a, again a blanket statement over everybody. But you just have to know what your own limits are, and, and if you if your partner is really craving that sexual, you know, intimacy that badly, where I feel like he needs to go or she needs to go to somebody else outside, I would maybe think talk to somebody about why this there's such a strong need like you can't just wait a little bit you know like <laughs> give me a little bit of time I just had a baby you well, know I was gonna
0: ask is that yeah yeah does that is that the the biggest kind of issue or you know right as a woman you're going well you know maybe you're not patient enough with yeah
2: and- I would just want to know like well if it's really that bad where you feel like you need to go have a central massage or go and you know s- you know see a therapist or something like why do you need it why do we need to do it so bad that may not that may be like the worst piece non-pc <laughs> answer ever but i would be like uh why do you, you just can't give me a minute i just grew a human inside my body like gi- give me a
0: second so maybe in your opinion would you say like you're ha- you know you're going through this process and and as a result there's like a celibacy happening maybe mm-hmm. there's solidarity and in, sure in him th- also there, abstaining
2: yeah. yeah there is something to that but also physiologically i you know i know it's hard for some people and I don't want to just generalize men, but I think I know it's hard for some people who are very sexual and very physical beings to resist and, and not, um, you know, get their rocks off or whatever. So
3: Sherry, how about you? A little, yeah. I'm going to throw in a couple of other, um, ideas here. Um, for one thing, uh, some people are polyamorous. So if you have a negotiated, relationship that includes intimacy, sexual intimacy uh, with other people, um, and you're already doing that before pregnancy, um, it might really not be such an issue. Your partner might have other partners that you know and love and care about. So there's lots of ways to negotiate an open or polyamorous relationship. In general, probably right after you have a baby is not the best time to negotiate that. (laughs) Like, Hey,
2: I know Uh, you just had this baby, but I really need to uh, be ejaculated immediately. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I would just be like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Maybe have the conversation before the the birth. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well,
3: well, I think, like I said, I mean, I think if you're in a monogamous relationship and at any point in that relationship, you want to change your agreements. That's something to have uh, deep conversations about. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, really explore together what that means to be polyamorous. Um, There's lots of wonderful books. There's workshops. There's conferences. There's lots of ways to learn how to be in open relationship and to do it in a healthy, uh, loving way. So, I'm, I'm all for people, uh, ch- monogamy, if that's what's right for you, if polyamory is right for you. The only thing that really doesn't work for me is any kind of cheating and lying. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's all about creating those agreements. However, like I said, I think one of the most challenging times to try and create that agreement would be the year after a baby is born because that is the most one of the most stressful times in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So right. uh, negotiating to change the whole... Agreement structure is not going to be usually a good thing to do when you're already in relationship stress of being new parents. So that being said, um, what I was talking about, that sort of unilateral sexual encounter where your partner is horny and would like to get off is still something you can have within your coupleness. It just um, doesn't necessarily include all of the activities or the sort of bilateral activities. So to have that relationship where maybe you your partner watches porn um, and you egg them on, you know, or and they pleasure themselves and you um, and you unshame that experience for them. Um, for most for most people, that's going to take care of their sexual needs. Maybe not as well as you were taking care of them when you were more involved. Um, but knowing that if you if you keep that, that solid connection and you uh, really make it safe for them to have their sexual needs and uh, express them and have their orgasms and that you're supporting that, uh, then, you know, you're going to be able to be in really good shape relationship-wise, especially as your sex drive comes back. But the sort of excuse of, I was so horny that I had to go cheat that one doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Well,
0: and I hear you. And I think a, lo- a couple things came up for me and what you guys are talking about, because um, well, oh God, where do I start? OK, one is mm-hmm. uh, I think you're you're right as well, um, Heather, that there are these if there is that intense drive and almost like a mania that feels out of control. It's like, well, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it because you feel ignored and that's your greatest fear or something and, and you're not addressing it? then maybe it is just a conversation where, you know, you take the time before acting to say to your partner, I wish that I wasn't feeling this maniacal, but sure. I am maniacal, like red hot button zone of like it acting out. Yeah. WTF, but something has to be done. Yeah. And then maybe you figure out the solution together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and I think I, I also, while it's not a baby, I feel like I relate a little bit. I mean, I'm a woman, but I, I have a high, I would say I have a high sex drive and I also, um, value a lot of physical touch. And I remember when my partner was traveling a lot for work, I had, I was having this sort of emotional meltdown. And I think as I get older and the more I open up emotionally and I'm able to communicate more honestly with people, Mm -hmm. um, without fear of response, uh, the less kind of mania, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The more I'm able to manage it. However, I do know those things are true about me. Right. So, um, so in that sense, I go, well, I would probably want to work out something where I, you know, I know that their needs are getting met in, in, and whatever I think, way that is, I
2: think it goes back to to every woman's response to pregnancy and having a baby is different, yeah, so what m- might be my story and that I wanted to wait a few months after having a baby may not be yours. You may be like a few weeks out you know after having a baby, like rare and to go and feel great, you know some women also go through a postpartum depression which they right. also did not anticipate, which could take some time to come out of um, where they don't want to be intimate or physical at all. And some women, you know, bounce right back. So I think if, but the the good thing is that I want to make sure that I say, and I impart before you go, is that you can do it. It is not an impossible feat. Millions of women have given birth, you know, over. Have
0: they? I don't believe you. No, it's true. (laughs) We're
2: sitting here as living proof. Uh, But over and over, you know, over millions of years, you know, like people have been having babies forever and, They still go on to be viable sexual, you know, beings. If anything, your sexuality, you know, for me has become more emboldened. Like I made a fucking human being and I am sexy because of it. And my husband thinks I'm sexier too. You know, there's, there's something very empowering about becoming a mom. And, um, yes, it's exhausting. And sometimes you feel gross and you just want to shower privately, (laughs) you know, but, but there's also something very, um, sexy about it and and I just want to make sure I say that and, and empower people who are listening and empower you because I think you have some great questions Um, to know that you can do it your sexuality doesn't go away
0: it doesn't fade away it may just say, take you a it, little break <laughs> yeah I mean it sounds like for both of you it came back
3: yeah it came back better than ever yeah it not only came back better than ever our relationship was stronger than ever
0: yeah and I totally
2: agree with that yeah
3: It's it's a very
2: powerful, it's a very powerful experience.
3: You know, and remember, you know, the the, the father or the partner um, is going through their own journey about suddenly they've got pressure maybe to be a breadwinner. Suddenly they're, you know, like what happens a lot of times in a relationship, I think, is that it was like I was mothering my husband you know, and then suddenly there was a baby and all my mothering energy was going to the baby and I was looking at my husband and I was like, grow the hell up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, do it yourself. (laughs) Like, like be a grown up. And it was a very big change for our relationship dynamic as well. And again, you know, when you're in a healthy relationship with good communication, you can can not only get through that, it can make you stronger. So I think um, um, having my sex drive come back and our relationship weathering the challenges of, of you know, of having a baby and figuring out the sexual issue, because we would never had any sexual issues to figure out before that, right? <laughs> it's all been easy. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. Really just made us better partners, better lovers, um, better parents. And and so there's a lot of gifts in that, in the struggle and the journey and the figuring it out, um, especially if you stay in communication. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but, but before we go, I, I when we come back from
0: the break, I want to talk about, um, gosh, I think, I, I wonder, like, how... You know, the relationship, basically, a a big event has happened. So inevitably, your dynamic is going to change with your partner. So I guess, you know, as much as you can prepare or expect it, I mean, it seems like there's going to be growing pains on both ends. Like you just said, the husband's going to go through a transformation as well. And I feel like that's not discussed or acknowledged as often. Like, you know, obviously, a woman just had a baby. So your (laughs) your focus is on her. But like kind of what's happening over here on the on the male part and how can he stay integrated and supportive and, and still process what his growth is. But we're taking that break. I just want to check in. We're talking with Heather Brooker from Motherhood in Hollywood. Uh, can you Tell us a bit about your podcast and where people can find you. Sure. So if you go to motherhoodinhollywood.com,
2: you can see all of my episodes. My show is a blend of the two things that I love most, which is parenting and the entertainment industry. I'm an actor and a comedian, and I love to have fun and swear a lot on my show. <laughs> so, and you can find it on iTunes. Tunes and Stitcher, and then also on social media, um, Motherhood in Hollywood on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Awesome. And and then we're talking with Sherry Winston, who um, has written so many books and is also um, a sexuality teacher and was a certified nurse midwife. Uh, Sherry, where can people find your work as
3: well? Oh, you can go to my website, intimateartscenter.com. That's arts is plural, center spelled the American way. Um, and there's blog posts and articles you can find my books my uh, Women's Anatomy of Arousal my award winning book my, my next book Succulent Sex Craft and um, uh, lots of other fun things you can find there so IntimateArtsCenter.com
0: Okay and, uh, and you're listening to TNA Talk Sex we have an advice episode at the end of every month so if anyone has any questions write us at advice at TATalkSex.com uh, we'll be right back Hey guys! TNA has a new sponsor. It's BioClarity, which is a face wash and acne treatment. Yeah, yeah, we're really excited. Uh, okay, so I've been using this product for about a month now, and if I'm completely honest, sometimes I don't always change my bed sheets in time. So I, yeah, <laughs> I get little zits on my face, and I'm loving how soft <gasps> it's making my skin and there's this awesome gel
1: Floralux that you apply after and it's green and I think it really evens out my skin tone and it just makes me feel good. And it keeps you from drying out because to you have really sensitive skin and drying out is a problem for you. And that's also a problem for a lot of other acne treatments. They're really strong because they use benzoyl peroxide and they create like red flaky skin. So if you guys are having issues with that with your acne treatment, then check out Bioclarity because they actually use salicylic acid instead. And then with the Floralux on top of that for the restorative cooling gel it keeps your skin tone even and you avoid that whole red flaky mess when you have problem skin it's also dermatologist developed tested and recommended yeah and it's also 100 percent vegan and paraben free and gluten free yay um, i'm a glutard yeah and i love natural ingredients so um so i like feeling good about what i'm putting on my skin tell them our promo code steph yeah, if you guys want to go um, check it out, they're at bioclarity.com and you can use the code TA Talk Sex and that's going to get you the first month for only 9.95 plus free shipping and that's a $20 savings and it comes with a 100% risk-free money back guarantee. So, you have nothing to lose, guys. So, go to bioclarity.com and use the code TA Talk Sex.
0: Welcome back to TNA Talk Sex. Just T here for the next month, anyway. Uh, in the meantime, we're talking with Heather Booker from Motherhood in Hollywood and Sherry Winston, creator of the Intimate Arts Center. Um, and I left us on the cliffhanger of like, what are we going to do about the men? Yes, what about, those, <laughs> what about those poor men? I know. No, and we've been talking about it. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. certainly. I, it's you know, in a way that. In, the, in a way, it, it's obvious the focus is the mother and this journey sure. with, with your baby. Um, and it's so important that she has this nurturing environment to thrive in as well. Um, and so maybe it is, you know, I think men also have to enter this selfless place as well, um, maybe at a higher level than they've ever experienced, right? Right. Right. Um, how do how do and I guess we talked about it a little bit the open communication but are there other other elements kind of in daily life that kind of keep them from blowing a fuse (laughs) or from feeling I don't know neglected
2: well I think it's hard I you know because men um like Sherry said it's it's an adjustment for them they're used to being the one that gets a baby a little bit and gets all your attention um and uh you know, or in any partnership, the other partner who didn't just give birth is probably used to getting all the attention. And now all of a sudden, everybody's focus has shifted to this little tiny person. And um, I'm sure that I know they feel a little neglected and and whatnot. But I just if you just talk about it, um, I have a good friend who had a baby two months ago, two and a half months ago. And her husband can't do anything right. She's like, he doesn't do this right. He doesn't do that right. And she's always complaining. And she's like, and I don't know why we're fighting all the time. And I was like, and I'm no expert and Sherry can speak to this. I'm no expert, (laughs) but I was like, why don't you tell him he's doing a good job and that you appreciate his efforts every now and then I was like, it's not. And I, you know, I don't want to say like we all have to be the 1950s housewife where we tell our husband, honey, everything you do is great. Um, But they need a little encouragement too, because this is all new for them too. He's never been a dad before. My husband doesn't, you know, everything I was experiencing, he was experiencing too, just because he didn't give birth. He was still up at night helping with feedings, changing gross poopy diapers and, worried about her, if she had a fever, you know, he was going through just as many fears and concerns and worries as I was. And I hadn't read nearly as many books and articles Mm. and stuff that I had. And that's one thing I would do, I would share articles with him and go, Hey, read this, this might help you understand why this is going on. And so I would share things that I had with him. And then I made sure and I still make sure I tell him, I appreciate what you're doing. You're doing a great job We're we're figuring this out as we go. We're on, we're on the same team here, man. Um, and she had said, my friend had said, she sat down with him and was like, hey, I just want to let you know, I think you're doing a good job. And he started crying because he Thank felt you. like he was failing 100% because oh, all she God. was, I mean, she was tired and not recognizing yeah. he was going through the same kind of stresses and frustration. So I just think it's important to encourage where you can. And, you know, that's my two cents anyway. I
3: think also, I think, I, think if I just want to, uh, uh, Emphasize what you just said again. It's so important to acknowledge, to praise, um, and um, you know, our our partners are they don't know, (laughs) and they've probably had less experience. Particularly if we're partnered with men, they probably had less experience with babies and childcare than we probably have. Um, So they're they're they really may not know, but at the same time. Um, we need to give them space to figure it out. So if if um, if I'm always going to be like, oh, I'll just do it because I know how to do it right. I know how to swaddle mm. the baby. I, I know how to clean yeah. the butt. Right? You know, if we're always sort of jumping in because we want it done in a certain way. So we need to give them space to figure it out. Um, and also maybe some space that's their time with the baby. One of the things we figured out was that um, my husband tended to get up earlier than I did. And so in, uh, you know, at whatever, six o'clock in the morning, you know, my son would nurse and then my husband would take him and I would go back to sleep. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he would have time that was just his time with the baby. And that was really important that he had his own time that was just him and the baby. And he'd go for a walk or, or we, they would take baths together. So it was about finding the things where he could have uh, and create his special relationship, and we're um, actually sometimes he was in charge. Where I would go out for a walk, and it's like, it's your, ba- you know, your baby. It's not like you're babysitting; it's your baby. It's your baby. And yeah. He had, to <laughs> he had to, you know, and he he was great at you know changing diapers and figuring all that stuff out. So there's that's the other very, thing. There's something
2: very empowering some about that for, for them that. too. You know, like they mm-hmm. think, oh, there's something very empowering to them too. They're like, oh, I can do this. You know, I can change this diaper. I can go for a walk and be alone with the baby and all that stuff there's something very empowering I think for that for men
3: yeah and and, and to know that you know i I you know, I'd been around babies for you know all my life but certainly for 10 years so I, I knew all kinds of tricks for soothing a fussy baby but that doesn't mean I couldn't say to my husband like okay well here's one of those tricks hold the baby like this and rock the baby like this that often works for the fussy baby so if I'm out for a walk and he's fussy you'll know what to do right yeah. so help them help them learn you know, it but might, not in a kind of like I know everything and you don't know shit. But it's more like you know, here's some things I've learned that might be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I know couch- you're, you're right. Yeah, you're hitting on. I noticed I have this like impatience
0: habit of I'm not a great teacher. You know, like I get a know I'm like, oh, like why don't you squeeze out the sponge? Right. <laughs> and I finally I'm I'm exercising that muscle of okay, the person d- doesn't know until you say it. Right, like it's just explaining it. Um, I think it's my own issue. <laughs> I'm grappling. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> worth noting, because I know there's other people who relate. I, I have read this really cool article, though, about, um, you know, of course, there's sort of this tribal community in uh, a country in Africa that I don't recall specifically. Mm-hmm. But um, where, where the men will take the children for the day and they actually allow them to um, suckle their nipples as like a pacifier, because of course there's no milk, and I told my father that story, and my father actually did a lot of the parentings. My mother was still in school she, mm-hmm. and my father was he's ten years older than my mother and uh so so he ended up taking the kids a lot while she was you know working or whatever mm-hmm. and um and I told the story, and his face kind of lit up, and he went, oh, I used to." put my pinky in your in your mouth you know on the pinky yeah you know and and he was sort of delighted at his little you know baby life hack it was so cute
2: that is so sweet I love that yeah like you know it was a very and I bet he's very like proud of himself too like I this is what I figured out worked for us and yeah that's so
0: great yeah I don't know I think just acknowledging it um you know it's funny listening to you guys talk about Uh yeah, like acknowledging the partner in this way, and then I don't know, Sherry, you know, looking at your husband in bed, going, "Who is this?" You know, giant area. (laughs) Yeah, like who is (laughs) this? Um, I mean, okay, I guess two questions. Did Sherry, did you feel like, you know, as um, it seems obvious that affection and all is important, but as the mother, you're getting a lot of it with this baby, right? So was there also a phase where you kind of didn't want as much touch from your husband, you know, like where where you go. Hey, I do just need the space, and I don't want you to feel like I don't care, but I also need you to not.
3: <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. But is that a, is that a
0: true experience? Or
3: I think that is for a lot of women. I I like a lot of touch. Um, so what at, at first when I was having I was having some experiences, but which is like like leave me alone. But what I realized was when he was touching me, I was feeling like he was wanting to have sex. <laughs> wow. And maybe he was, maybe he was touching me with the kind of like hopeful, kind of um, you know initiating of sex kind of touch, like stroking your um, back in the morning, like, "Hey, are you awake?" Yeah, but yeah, but you know, rubbing his like, heart on again. No, butt, get off me. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so, so for I think maybe even like six months or so, there was some challenge there until I started to realize we really needed to talk about it. And then when we started talking about it, um, that's when we when I sort of figured out the like, look, sweetie, if you really want to get off, I could help you do that. But let's just be clear about what it is and, and what you want. And then once we kind of figured that out, then he was able to touch me in a way that was actually nurturing to me. Right. And that was great because I needed nurturing because I was taking care of this, you know, and suckling this baby all the time. And so once we could kind of untie those strands of what his intention was, and make it clear that sometimes his intention really was he he wanted to get off, and I could assist him with that, um, huh. or give him space to give him space, but like really kind of bless it. Um, then that uh, then he was then he was able to touch me in a way that it didn't feel like a demand because if, if it felt like oh god he's just touching me because he wants to get his hands on my boobs <laughs> right Right. Yeah. you know what's funny is I think <laughs> at, we at also that point, I also have to say that I one of the things I did need to do is like my boobs are were off limits sexually oh yeah of that, course right well so that's not the case for all women but for me it was like I've got this baby nursing all the time it's just so not sexy mm-hmm. to, to to have my boobs as part of our sex play. And that was another thing I had to sort of figure out for myself that when we when we were being sexual or sensual, and I was often in that sort of, I'll support you to get off, but I'm not really interested. And he wanted my boobs to be part of that activity. And I had to be like, uh, nope, <laughs> they are not part of this unilateral yeah. uh, sex encounter because... That just made me feel like, oh God, somebody else wants them. <laughs> Get in line, buddy. Uh, but again, it was, it, was, it was so great. Now, I, I did prolonged, what's in our culture considered prolonged breastfeeding. I nursed my son for three years. Um, again, I just want to note that in a traditional hunter gatherer culture, um, three to five years is the average amount of time that uh, babies are breastfed. So that's a normal human thing but it's not normal in our culture, I right know. But, um, but when I did finally wean my son at when he was three years old, and then suddenly my breasts were like sexual again. And that was great fun. for Yeah, for <laughs> back in the back on the table. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. I Okay, that's a big fear of mine is how because I have really sensitive breasts. Yeah, like love the sex play. But yeah. so then I just think Oh, my God, I can't imagine. A yeah. child on them because I get annoyed with men if they're too rough like mm-hmm. you have know, this whole story where I like chop this guy in the neck I said don't bite him and I hit him and he goes oh and I said
3: exactly <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's funny
3: breastfeeding <laughs> <I know. laughs> is one of the most pleasurable ecstatic experiences I've had in my life wow tell me more and that's a lot
0: Because it's stimulating or it's I mean, there's because there's a pleasure in
3: an erotic way. It's Mm. not it wasn't erotic, although for some women it is. I'm not stimulating in an erotic way, but in this other kind of ecstasy in this baby mommy dyad ecstasy. You know, you're also when you're nursing, you're getting filled with these endorphins and feel good pleasure chemicals. And um, breastfeeding was wonderful fabulous i i it's like a like in a love like a powerful love you know overwhelming
2: joy and you know it's it's that kind of a feeling it's not it's not necessarily sexual although i know some people um have those feelings but it's just a like you're caring for someone you know you're you you want to you're nurturing them feeding them literally feeding them um for their survival
3: So empowering, Mm was so empowering also, but it is, you know, so we have a lot of cultural confusion about breastfeeding. A lot of women think it hurts. Um, and, uh, the fact of the matter is this is one of those things where education really pays off big. Um, breastfeeding only hurts if you're doing it wrong. Um, and one of the ways a lot of women wind up kind of doing it wrong, it's not their fault. They've been given bad information, but babies, are born knowing how to suck on a breast. And the way that a baby sucks on an artificial nipple, that would be a pacifier or a bottle, is different. Oh. And by giving babies bottles and pacifiers in the first month or two of their life, it confuses them. And then they start sucking at the breast the way they suck at the bottle of the pacifier, which is the wrong way for their the mouth and their tongue to be on. Um, And then you get sore. And then women don't make enough milk. And then women think they've failed at breastfeeding. And what really has happened is our culture has failed at educating them about um, what really promotes breastfeeding. And what promotes it best of all is don't confuse your baby by sticking other things in their mouth. Give them your breasts. (laughs) (laughs) Give them your breasts. After two months, if you want to introduce a pacifier or a bottle, fine. It won't be a problem then. But for those first two months especially, the only thing they should suck on is you And then you won't have any problems. Maybe dad's
0: pinky in an emergency.
2: There you go. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Actually, Dad's dad's nipple. Pull out the nipple, Dad. (laughs) Nipples only. I don't think it's so crazy. Maybe if they're home alone, not you know, they might feel uncomfortable in a you know parking, you know. Right. I wondered about that. Wouldn't there be an oxytocin release on the man, even if if a baby's suckling their nipple? I would think there would be
2: some kind of release, yeah.
0: Anyway, something to think about for the yeah. brave ones out there yeah, yeah exactly. in in American culture i sherry, just what you're talking about with the the type of touch, I do feel like culturally we default into this idea of like, oh, he was touching me, he wanted to, you know it's mm-hmm. sex, right, so even just in dating there's always that right, right? the right. go to is like oh, he's trying to fuck you right. and it's and i I have this memory that came to mind where I was actually. I was at Burning Man although I don't think that's relevant (laughs) (laughs) it's always relevant it it paints a picture I'm at Burning (laughs) Man I got my period during the freaking week yeah the first time I'm there and um and it was a kind of an intense one right yeah I had an intense period and um and an older guy who's a who's a friend of mine I complained about I said something like oh I'm awful like I'm just exhausted and everything hurts because my Mm. period and he was like okay didn't need to know that and and I said you know if you had just said, wow, I'm so sorry, can I do anything, you know, you yeah. know, something like that and just patted me on the back. I said, that's really what I needed. And then he went, oh, he was, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, how, I'm so, how are you feeling? Can I help? And like sort of rubbing my back and was like, can I get you something to drink? Mm-hmm. And it, I immediately felt so like open and loved just in that little moment. Yeah. And I just think it's, it illustrates, of course we're talking about once you have a baby, sure. which is on the other side of it, but but it's like that type of care and attentiveness mm-hmm. opens up the woman in this way that the guy wants instead of say, like Heather, your friend's fighting, right, right, where, where, right. where it's exactly the same problem, but instead it's creating conflict instead of right like the, the yeah. way that we wanna be communicating.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there is some. There is definitely something to that where you, um, you just have to tell them like, hey, this isn't working for me, or that's working for me, or you know, it's just it, everything goes back to good communication.
3: For
0: yeah, sure. like if you're if you're about to blow the fuse, also on your end, it's like, oh, yeah. oh I'm probably not yeah. articulating what's bothering me, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: yeah. And you did a great job of communicating that with with that person that Thanks. you were at the Burning Man with, um, and he was able to hear it. Yeah. And then actually yeah, give nice. you what you want, so that's also really gratifying when um, when the person we're communicating with um, hears what we're saying and responds in a positive way. You know, I mean, and the other thing about touch, though, touch really does transmit intention. And so, a lot of times, when somebody's rubbing your back because they want to get in your pants, we're aware of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could tell, right? Well said. We pick up on that. Now, we might be wrong sometimes, where's where communication can come in, because then the person might. Be able to go no really I, I wasn't doing that just to get into, into you your,
2: like, really then why is there an erection up against my back then because <laughs> yeah. they're also then there's like pressing their their crotch up against you and you're like really
0: <laughs> no exactly, that's not what I'm you. doing I promise yeah, the, yeah. The, well no. and the denial I think the fear of acknowledging sexuality too kind of what you're saying sure even in a marriage it's sure. like hey it's normal that yeah. you're gonna want that let's just get it out there in the open and then we mm-hmm. and then we'll go from there. Yeah, totally. Can I can I ask you guys? Okay, just kind of wrapping up uh, towards the end of our show. Like when you, so I know you guys said your sex drive comes back. I mean, a couple years into having a child, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, especially in American culture, deal with okay, you're you know, you've got all the activities for the kid and school, and you have got your jobs and what. Ah! I, you know, how do you keep it alive? You know, are you, are you guys keeping it alive? Because <laughs> I think that's that's a big issue that's come up with people I've talked to out and about and on our show as well. And well,
2: I think there's a big myth that after you get married and have kids that you don't have sex anymore. Yeah. I've heard that from a lot of people. And I'm like, I've been married for 19 years, almost almost, excuse me, almost 17 years with my husband for 19 years. And I'm like, we, we have plenty of sex. We, we, you know, we're (laughs) doing great. I mean, there's a reason, you know, we've been together so long. I think that it depends on the level of sexuality that you had before you had kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes people go right back into their routines. And if, you know, if you have a great healthy sex life before, maybe it will continue. I mean, ideally, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes things are altered because you do get caught up in day-to-day life and you are exhausted by nine o'clock at night and your kid is getting up at six in the morning. And so nobody wants to wake up at five and have <laughs> sex, you know, I mean, uh, so it's, uh, it, but you make it work. You figure out your times alone together. You maybe have the babysitter, you know, come over a little early and you guys sneak out or, you know, maybe you plan, you plan nights away together, um, there's ways to make it work, you know, and I think as long as, again, you're talking with your partner about it and saying, hey, we need, you know, my husband will say, can we do it a little more? <laughs> and I'll be like, "Um, sure, as soon as, you know, let me like figure out my schedule and, you know, sometimes it is a matter of, you know, it's not sexy, but scheduling it. Maybe you got to schedule like, okay, tomorrow lunchtime is all yours come on home like let's do this
0: or if that's happening you know, i guess i just want to double take yeah. like yes you're scheduling it but when you meet up there's still the arousal process right like sure. it's not like okay now we fuck yeah no it's, <laughs> it's not like, it this doesn't mean date. it's robotic yeah yeah it's like yeah. we're meeting for the war exactly. you know exactly we're gonna
2: meet you can still keep it sexy. It's not like you have to like go, "Okay, we're doing we have 15 minutes from this time to this time." And sometimes people do that and that's totally fine, yeah. but there are ways to keep it sexy if that's something that you're interested in and if it's a priority in your relationship.
0: Yeah. Sherry, any anything you want to add on that?
3: Sure, a couple things. I mean, first of all, this could apply to people who've got um, you know, busy careers, um, who, you know, it, it isn't even necessary about kids. Everybody I know is busy
0: yeah um, it's and, our it's in
3: modern um, way, so right That's right. So there's that. There's also um, all kinds of other things, you know, health issues, aging issues, um, all sorts of other things that can impact our uh, the amount of time and energy we have for sex and And all that needs to be sort of navigated and negotiated. Um, I'm a fan of having intimacy dates, and that doesn't necessarily mean sex, but it means time alone together possibly naked um but to, to connect to make sure you have connection time and um to complete you know i to complete a sentence and a conversation together like because that
2: is something and, that's, that's something that's really been a big challenge is when your kid starts talking
3: um <laughs> kids <laughs> and also you well, don't talk to your the, partner very much
0: yeah you're like grab the bottle right, there right. move <laughs> oh i left this in here i'll see you later bye
3: right well to have kid-free time is really important yeah and um whether it's a date mm-hmm. night or an intimacy date you know in your bed or a, a motel room or you're gonna get a sitter you have a kid gets a sleepover but one of the rules with my with my husband um he's not my husband anymore so he's my husband but we, when we had our, we started having a date night out, and um, the rule was we couldn't talk about our kid. Ooh, ooh, mm-hmm. challenging, right? yeah. But wow, right. what an and exercise! Like the first couple of the first couple of date nights, it was like, oh my gosh, what do we talk about if we're not talking about our kids? Yeah. And then we discovered rediscovered that we actually like to talk to each other and had all kinds of interesting things. Mm to say.
0: Neat. And And maybe, maybe trusting in the awkwardness too. Sure. Like that. It might take a a date or two to finally get off of the parent of the the child, but don't stop there. Don't think of it as failure. You're not like, Oh, it didn't
3: work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the other piece, and this is again about just life, which is life can be busy and overwhelming. So creating that intimate space, you know, and making it like a temple, you know, making it like we don't uh, my partner and I, you know, we run a business together, like in our intimate space. We can't talk about business. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. We're, we're like way past the kid years, but there's still always going to be things in your life um, that want to kind of interfere and, and take up that space. So creating the intimacy time and creating those boundaries. Um, you know, if you have young children, put a lock on your bedroom door so they're not just like walking mm. in all the time.
0: Yeah. Um, I was a big offender of that as a child, and they did—they locked did me out. Did you ever walk in on your parents? I don't remember them ever. To, oh, I'm, okay. I think my parents were like, "Of course you did," <laughs> you know, but I didn't know what it was. But one time, right. like they locked me out. I—I I think I anyway. I was very—I right? was you know, a monkey. Just, I found a way in like through a window and oh gosh, like yeah, and just. like slept in the hamper next to that. It was so crazy. <laughs> I was like obsessed.
2: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh my God! I'd be like, get out of yeah. here!
0: Yeah the wrath of hell. Right. It's our time. Uh, can I? Okay, can I ask you guys or Sherry? You were finishing a comment, and then I want to ask a question.
3: Well, I, I just think to, to just sum that up, it's about creating consciousness about your relationship, your boundaries, your agreements. You know, to sort of sum up all the things that we're saying. Oh, um, thank you for the what reminder. You're doing together, mm-hmm. at any given point, what you really need. So all of those things, conscious consciousness.
0: Can I, so that brings me to a point where, and you know, I did a show not long ago or, or in the fall called, did I leave my partner too soon? And that was a little bit like, you know, there's that moment where maybe, you know, you're communicating and your partner's not listening and maybe because they're stressed out or whatever the hurdle is, mm-hmm. but you know, how do you, do you guys have any advice or thoughts on, you know, you, you don't want to break up or whatever, you know, say this is a case where, um, you can't force change, but how do you do you have any advice on, you know, getting the attention of the person or, or holding strong while you kind of I guess I, I think of it almost like in parenting. If a child is acting out, you might have to hold strong and, and watch them cry for a while and not leave them, but wait for the change to happen. Is it the same with partners sometimes in this in this kind of dynamic, like if it is just sex or, or other issues? I don't know. How do, you know, any advice on
3: on. I think it's- I think it can be very useful to get support from a, you know, either a relationship counselor um, or therapist. A, uh, you know, workshops in nonviolent communication. I mean, there's lots of different ways that we can work on learning how to, you know, communicate and how to be in loving, healthy relationships. So if it really feels like the relationship is in danger, particularly once you have a kid together or kids together, I think it's really worth it. Got to, to say, Hmm, we don't have the skills we need. Let's get better communication skills. Let's get somebody who can help us untangle, um, you know, the relationship knots that we've created. So, so I'm a big supporter of, um, you know, get help, read books, go to workshops, find a good counselor. Um, there's so many things out there now for people, um, you know, go to a support group, uh, go to, go to a couples group, um, individually go to groups, you know, ju- there's so many things out there. So if you need help, get the help.
0: Yeah. And maybe
3: before yeah. you're too tired. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, and I think too, right we, before you give
3: up, we yeah. live
2: in such an age where it's so easy to give up on relationships. You can unfriend somebody in a second, you can unfollow them, erase them from your life, block their phone, you know, whatever. It, it we, It's so easy to walk away from relationships nowadays. Um, And I do think it's important that keep for people to keep things in perspective. Like that was a really hard time that first year for sure that my husband and I went through, but that wasn't, it didn't speak to the longevity of our relationship together. I know that we were in a hard, we were in a tough situation and that we would get through it together and there would be something on the other side that's worth you know reaching for and getting there and like together um so i totally agree if if there's people who are going through tough times after having a baby and you feel like oh this isn't working out you know uh, and a lot of times your par partners don't want to go have therapy they don't want to go to counseling i They're guess resisting right yeah like they they just don't want to go and sit down and share their problems with someone you know for whatever reason and and um I think that we just, uh, this sounds like I'm being so preachy and I don't mean for it to be, but (laughs) I just wish everybody would think for a second and keep things in perspective about who their partner is. What made you fall in love with them in the first place? Have things change so dramatically within that person, or maybe they're just struggling going through a a hard time and need you in a different way, or maybe, you know, they need a break or there's always just a, a different viewpoint, you know, see something through the other person's eyes before you unfriend them or unmarry them.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I have to say, especially once you have, have kids. Yeah. Right. I mean, that alone, uh, I would hope would give people that impetus to, to do more and try harder. Yeah. Um, work things out. I'm not saying anyone should stay in a relationship that's really toxic or dysfunctional. Right. Um, 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 but, um, but if it's a basically healthy relationship with a basically healthy person, uh, take some time and work on it right. and, and use the resources. Don't and just if somebody, walk away. Wants to go to, you know, and, and like I said, if somebody doesn't want to go to counseling, well then maybe go to a nonviolent communication workshop, you know, yeah. go to something that's, that feels less threatening, but mm-hmm. it's going to help you up your s- skill level. Um, Cause relationships require skills and most of us didn't get those skills. We didn't learn them from our families of origin. We, we didn't learn them in school. So how are we supposed to know how, to to be in relationship and negotiate and and communicate in a way that's uh, empathetic and compassionate when we're pissed off, right? Nobody teaches us that. So we've got to go out and learn it. Yeah, I think also
0: the like, an unintimidating approach is something like, hey, I found this really cool workshop. You know, I would love if we did this rather than you're having this problem and you're not listening to me and we need to now go therapy. We need (laughs) therapy, yeah.
2: Or like, (laughs) hey, read this article or listen to this podcast. (laughs) To get, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: But to get people to open up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I, you know, admittedly, so we'll wrap up shortly, but I just admittedly, I, I feel like I'm developing more into an adult. And by that, I mean, I feel myself on this seesaw of, when I'm in a relationship, I have these moments where I go, well, you know, he, I'm heteronormative, right? So so he, you know, he didn't do this for me and I, I need this attention and I'm not getting what I want. And I'm aggravated because if he really cares, he's going to show up with flowers and do this for me. Sure. And, um, <laughs> and I've really been exercising that muscle of the minute that I start feeling those wants or those needs. And um, I'm, I'm flipping the script and I'm going, OK, can I give? what can I give them? What can I give them? Because, and I and I think also that empowers me more because I remember how strong I actually am. And I go, well, before I knew them, I was fine. Mm-hmm. So can I, you know, can I stand taller and actually bring, how can I bring joy into this instead of feeling a deficit of it? Yeah. And I think sometimes, I don't know, I just add that to say when you feel that desperation, it's like, are you actually desperate or do you have your own resources to actually rebound from it Absolutely. from whatever situation you're in? And that's a great point. Like, you know, check your check yourself <laughs>
1: before you
2: wreck yourself like take a minute and go am i do i really need to get this angry am i am I this is this truly something that is i need to end a relationship over like what like it's important have a little checklist and go am i am i being emotionally present or am my emotions like heightened because i'm mad or angry? you know whatever and um, just to sort of be self-aware there's a there's a huge lack of self-awareness especially when you look on Facebook and you know social media sites or whatever just be self-aware and then go okay well maybe this is my issue or maybe this is their issue and I need to communicate with them better like because it also like you said is very empowering because then you go wait a minute so I have the power to control the outcome here or at least try to
0: and yeah somewhere. change will change the the environment or the direction yeah, it's going right, exactly <sighs> you
3: know and all of all of the skills that we need to be in good partnership relationship are the same skills we need to be good parents.
2: Yeah, that's true.
3: You know, it's funny because a lot of the stuff I started studying, um, like you know, um, so that I could communicate better with my kid, and then realize, oh, this helps me communicate better with my partner. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's right? the especially what you said earlier it's- with the acknowledge. Um that's a big step in parenting. It's and the learning how to parent with your toddler in particular. Mm-hmm. It's you acknowledge the issue that they're going through like if they're mad about, you know, cheese mm-hmm. or something ridiculous. <laughs> you acknowledge them. I know you're really upset because you didn't get yep. the kind of cheese you wanted. But and then you mm-hmm. you you deflect to something else, but this is what we're going to do right now, you know? And, but the important step is acknowledging their feelings. Yeah. And then when you start applying that to your relationship with your partner, then it, all of a sudden they feel like they're being heard. They feel like their feelings are valid and you still are empowered as going, I know what you're going through. Let's talk about this, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, same skills. they're the same exact same deal i love it i know you're
2: mad that you dropped all your cheerios but now we are out of cheerios (laughs) and you have to eat something else no you know whatever it is and that was my husband that i had that conversation with just kidding
3: I'm just kidding!
0: I'm just kidding! <laughs> oh God! Wow! Thank you guys for sharing. Sure. Uh, super cool. Pleasure. I don't. I you know. Thank you for being on the show with me. And um, do you feel like now you're ready to have a baby? <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm going to call all my boyfriends and see who's ready. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. All five of them <laughs> that are in rotation. Oh
3: my gosh. Um well, that sounds like a great number of parents to me. Mm-hmm. I think this whole like two-parent family thing—I don't even know how single parents do it—but this whole like two parents, one kid—that's that, not. We should have like four parents to one kid. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we used to have, right? We had aunts and uncles and grandparents. So many. you know, it really, it really genuinely is um, a village. You know, yeah, but the village that we that we need. And so you know, the other thing is. When you're when you think you're ready, you know, get strong networks of other people who are going to be there for you. So you don't expect your partner to be everything. Well, said. They'll never, especially, they'll in never succeed.
2: especially in Hollywood, especially in L.A. in the Hollywoods, because you need a network. And we could talk about this later. I, uh, yeah, this is episode two. Yeah. You definitely need a network of special aunties and uncles and friends who can help you if you've got auditions or, you know, Yeah, you got to be able to toss whatever. the
0: kids somewhere. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. Oh, I mean, no. I was joking, but it, I will definitely everywhere. expect my lovers to help with my child. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> in the in the future. Right. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I think I've had moments where I was working on a project once and um, one of the guys who I dated before called me and goes. So all of the men on this project, have you slept with all of them? <laughs> oh no. I know. I know. And I, I realized that could be offensive in the, a non right, right. he and I were romantic in college but, and I started laughing I said I have not slept with the guy that I have working with you <laughs> that, maybe no the way. other ones <laughs> I did not sleep with the gaffer <laughs> yeah exactly
2: I don't even know yeah, him. I was
0: like this the sound technician and I have not slept together although he is very cute and I did meet him in a class where I thought about it where you thought about <laughs> it oh that's funny <laughs> yeah caught red-handed um but at the end of the day, it's all about love and connecting. Right. So, uh, on that note, just we're going to recap where everyone can find your, both of your work. Um, so, Heather Brooker. From Motherhood in Hollywood, the podcast. Yes. Which is also on the same network that we're yes, both on. Yeah,
2: on Blog Talk Radio. So motherhoodinhollywood.com is where you'll find all of my writings. I cover entertainment news and I cover parenting topics um, as well. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Motherhood in Hollywood. And if you tweet, if anybody's still tweeting, you could find me at Heather Brooker.
0: Yay. Yeah, Brooker with an R. With an R, think I was going to say Booker, but Broker. A lot
2: of people want to say Booker or Broker. And you need to stop that because it's Brooker. <laughs> it's 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 Frau Bruca.
0: <laughs> Is it? No,
2: no, no. But I love that you guys get that joke. Very few people do. And it and it hurts my soul. Oh, yeah. Right. Because it's so good. Frau Bruca. Uh But yeah, no, this was great. This was so lovely. I can't wait to meet your baby. I thank you. <laughs> I'll
0: be sure to call you. I will do. pull you into the network. That I, that's do. been advised. Um, and Sherry Winston, uh, who we've had on our show before for the um um, Sorry, the, give me your title, The Anatomy of Female Arousal Which was mm-hmm. fascinating in itself So before you have the baby Hopefully you're having sex yeah. Like what is talked about in this book uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. So Sherry <laughs> Winston If you want to just go over Where everyone can find you um, But you started the Intimate Arts Center So the Intimacy okay. Go ahead
3: com, And you can find all my All my handles and Twitter handles And Facebook stuff there also um, you can find my blog and read articles and find my books. And, um, yeah, it really is a good idea to learn how to have awesome sex before the baby comes. That way you'll have something to get back to after a few years later.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and to be specific, Sherry, you're, um, you do have workshops, correct? Where, and you're located.
3: I, I do. Although this year I'm focusing on, um, uh, basically sort of my women's anatomy of arousal year. I'm, uh, I'm going to be uh, doing a Spanish translation. We're going to be running a Kickstarter campaign to fund that. I'm doing an audio version of the book. Um, So this year is very focused on women's anatomy of arousal and really giving that message out. And and the the interesting um, thing, just in terms of people who are thinking about babies, is that everything that helps you learn how to have awesome sex will help you learn how to have an awesome birth experience.
0: Ooh. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Warming yeah. up and opening up.
3: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's all the same thing. So that's really how I went sort of from being a midwife to being a sex teacher and, and uh, writing about women's anatomy of arousal. It's all the same stuff. It's all the same system. So um, learn how to have great sex. It's the best practice you can have for learning how to birth um, in an amazing way because women can even have orgasmic births. Did you know that? Yes, I have okay. heard
0: that. And now yeah. I'm. that is also my new goal when I when I have this baby <laughs> that Heather is going to babysit. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, seriously, when I heard it, yeah. I said, oh, my God, well, it's, it's at true. least worth striving for. It's true. Yeah. At, it certainly is. At worst case, you experience less pain. So sure. okay. giddy up.
3: Yeah. All uh-huh. the endorphins are yeah. firing. Yes, that's right. And the practice for that is having lots of great sex okay. with yourself. <laughs> First and foremost, and then with partners if you have them. So it doesn't even need you don't even need a partner to have awesome sex and learn how to have awesome sex. All right. right. Just have to throw that in there. No, thank you. Um,
0: ha ah, god, it's like so much fun with you guys just wanna hang out forever. But we're gonna wrap up. Um, thank you all for listening to TNA Talk Sex. Again, we have an advice episode uh at the end of every month, and you can write us in questions. And if we don't personally TNA have the answers, we will find experts who do. Uh so that's advice at tatalksex.com. Um also you can check us out on Instagram, uh TA TalkSex the ampersand symbol doesn't compute you know so just <laughs> ta talk sex uh and uh and then stephanie as she's mentioned has this new uh massage video that you all can find online as well so you can find that at stephanieallen.com forward slash massage uh all right that was episode 135 of tna talk sex because sex isn't ever just about sex